So welcome back to our Adore Pink Couch series. I'm Megan. And I'm Dr. Cox. And today we're gonna talk about preserving fertility. Um, last time we talked about, you know, those at-home tests and checking your fertility and why that's important. This time we're gonna talk about what to do about those results that you get. That's right. So ultimately, fertility preservation, the really basic definition of it is just doing something so that you can use your eggs or sperm in the future. That's really what you're preserving your fertility for because you need an egg and a sperm to create an embryo and ultimately create a baby. So females do it by freezing their eggs or harvesting our eggs where males obviously have it a little bit easier because they collect their sperm and their sperm gets frozen and it's a little bit easier to get that sperm. In females, the recommendation to do fertility preservation is really before the age of 40, but even ideally the younger better and we'll kind of get into that a little bit more, but you really want females that are using their eggs at a younger age and freezing them because the success of freezing and thawing and then fertilizing and creating an embryo and all that stuff that goes into it has a much higher success rate when you do it at a younger age. Right, because those eggs are much hardier and healthier when they're younger than as opposed to older eggs that may have. Well, and the fact is, is that the process that you go through to freeze your eggs, it's not super long, but it, it takes time and effort. And as you're older, you're gonna get less eggs. And ultimately, to be able to preserve your fertility, the numbers are important. Having more eggs available guarantees that you have more likelihood of having a child, one or two children from those eggs, as opposed to having less eggs less chance of having success with those. So as you know, women, when they're younger, you can harvest more eggs because our egg pool is larger. The ovaries have more eggs in them each month. And so going through a stimulation cycle allows us to get more eggs out. Whereas as you get older, there are less eggs in the ovaries. Therefore, a stimulation process gets us less eggs. All right, so let's start with our females. So what would that look like for them? Like what's the process, what's the timeline? Right, so like in our last podcast, we talked about you know when to check your fertility. Ultimately, it's a personal decision. And you know, women in their 20s, 30s, or 40s, we've had consults for all age groups looking at preserving fertility. However, like I just said, the younger you do it, the better chance you have of going through only one cycle and getting all the eggs you need. And what I mean by one cycle is that we put you through medication to stimulate the eggs that you have currently in your ovary. That stimulation process revolves shots. You know, shots are taken for anywhere from nine to 14 days to get these eggs to grow. Because in a normal cycle, one grows, right? It's only one that grows and gets to release its egg around mid-cycle. Well, we're trying to get every egg out possible, so we have to give these shots and high doses of medications to get all of them to respond. So you go through a stimulation process for about nine to 14 days, and then you go through a procedure, which is like egg harvesting. We call it a transvaginal oocyte retrieval, where we go through, you know, with a small ultrasound probe through the vagina, of course, women are asleep because this would not feel great if we weren't. And we go in and we basically get all the eggs out that we've stimulated. Ultimately, then those eggs kind of mature for a little bit more time in a media. And then any egg that is what we call mature gets frozen in time to be used at a later date. Not all eggs we get are mature. So again, when I said that it's a numbers game, it truly is 
is a numbers game. The more eggs we get out, the more likelihood that we'll have more that are mature. More mature means more that we can freeze. If you look at um, ASRM or American Society of Reproductive Medicine's guidelines, ultimately they say that, you know, less than 38 years old, the recommended number of eggs to get out to have a chance, an 80% likelihood of having one child and a 50% chance of having two children, you need almost 20 eggs. So not every egg equals a baby. And that is very important for patients to understand. Right, right. And even if you do go through and get all of these eggs and you say you don't get 20, you could go back and do it again. It's not a one and done. No, thing. it's you, not. You can... It's certainly not. But if you're looking at it economically and financially right. wise, if you do it when you're younger, you would only have to go, you're through, only it have to go through it once. Whereas if you go through it twice, you're paying twice the price to get more eggs out. So, you know, while I don't like to push, you know, things out there like these big egg freezing parties and things that sometimes people can come across on Instagram and Facebook, there is a part of that that is giving knowledge to our females to say, hey, if you do do this and you have the ability to do it at a younger age, it makes sense because you're probably only gonna have to go through that cycle once to get the number of eggs out. If you wait till you're later in life, like greater than 38, the recommendation is getting 26 to 30 eggs. But again, you're already older. So the chance of you getting that many eggs out in one cycle is much lower. So you're likely looking at having to pay for two or three egg free cycles to get that same amount and number needed to give you a chance of having one to two children. So age does matter in this sense because this younger you do it, the better chance you have of financially not paying as much into having a success with the number of eggs you get out. So what's the process for using these in the future? Yeah, so once the eggs are frozen, they um, are stored in a little, basically freezer space tank. They stay frozen, and of course we have alarms on these tanks, so we make sure that they stay frozen and are protected. If it's long-term storage, there are now gamete banks or cryobanks getting built throughout the U.S. because this is becoming a much more popular thing to do. It's not just the movie stars. It's not stars. just the stars and the people you see on TV, like, you know, right. it, it, we're trying to make it more accessible for like, you know, every day. Right. And I I think that um, the more it's used, the, the cost is coming down more for patients. Um, and right. so it's becoming an avenue for more people to be able to use instead of, you know, like you said, the famous people out there. But the whole process is that when we get cryobanks, if we're gonna store them long-term, for instance, if someone does it in their 20s, but they know that they might meet someone and, and be able to get pregnant on their own in their 30s, and they may never need these eggs, but they might be putting these eggs somewhere for backup long-term, they get sent to a cryobank storage site that is protected and of course alarmed again to make sure that all these stay frozen until they're ready to be used. When they're ready to be used, the process is very similar to the second part of our in vitro steps, which is getting the eggs back. We thaw them, we put those eggs and inseminate them with your partner's sperm, and then they create embryos. And again, remember one egg does not equal one embryo. It's eggs with sperm grow out and we get 80% drop off across the board over a five day period. So 20 eggs may give us anywhere from three to five good quality embryos if they're young eggs. Whereas if they're older eggs, we'd be lucky to get one or two embryos from those 20 eggs. Right, so you're not gonna end up with a whole football team of babies. No, <laughs> definitely not. So people don't have to at least worry that they have the issue of getting rid of or disposing of multiple embryos you still have very low numbers at the end, but those low numbers are still important because it anywhere from 50 to 70% likelihood of a pregnancy with those embryos if they're good quality at the end. You don't just take your eggs out and then poof, have a baby. There is a 
process for it on the back end that requires thawing and fertilization like we talked about. And that does have a cost too. It's not zero dollars just because you've frozen your eggs. However, the cost of doing a thaw and fertilization is much cheaper than going through a full IVF cycle overall. Gotcha, gotcha. So, all right, what about the men out there? Do they have anything to worry about or what should they do to preserve their I fertility? mean, certainly we know 30% of men have fertility issues or have sperm issues or count issues. And so it's one of those things that, you know, men, again, they can make their sperm. The sperm is on a three month kind of factory line as far as process. So anything in three months can affect what sperm's coming out now. Injuries to men's genital areas can affect sperm count, certain diseases, medications, all those things can affect men's fertility as well. But men don't have the same time clock as women. So most men don't really even think about this, right? right. I would say the men that I really see more concerned about this are the men when I served in the military because we would, you know, recommend, hey, if you want to consider freezing sperm ahead of time because there was a higher incidence of genital issues and injury. injury. So. Yeah, for those specific men. But ultimately right now, there's not great guidelines out there for, hey, when should a man preserve their fertility because they have a good chance of making their sperm throughout their life unless there is an incident. So if, if there's any men out there that have any incidents where they had trauma to their genitals or they've had medications or disease states that could affect their fertility, that's something they should talk to with their doctors and hopefully their doctors would recommend sperm freezing before any treatments if, if they thought it was going to affect them. Okay, so outside of elective fertility preservation, what other populations of people can benefit from doing from going, looking going, into it? Going yeah. this process? I mean, well, I mean, the truth is fertility preservation kind of came out in the advent of, you know, childhood cancer, young adult cancers, because, you know, we were using chemotherapeutic agents that actually could affect, you know, fast dividing cells and our ovaries and eggs are part of that group of cells. So there's a lot of medications out there that can really affect egg reserve and even sperm replication. So that's where fertility preservation came out up front was to kind of say, hey, if we're gonna give these young people medications that could really affect them long-term, should we find a way to get eggs or sperm out ahead of time so that they still have a chance to carry a child theoretically in the future or create yeah, a child. Yeah, after their treatment's finished and they're right. you know, healthy so and ready. So that's a huge population. It's called oncofertility, but it's a huge population we can help treat um, with fertility preservation. And there's still lots of studies out there and experimental studies that even taking out ovarian tissue or testicular tissue and keeping it frozen over time and re-implanting it. That's all still experimental, but what we've learned is that at a pretty young age, even um, girls at the age of eight to 10, some of them have been able to go through and actually get eggs out or premature egg tissue out um, to help them long-term. And, and the same thing with boys, you know, ultimately we really start producing those at puberty, um, but we're learning that even on the cusp of puberty, we're gonna be able to start preserving more. So that's a huge population. Another population that we're seeing more of are our same-sex couples, our transgender patients because some of those patients choose to get under hormonal changes in their body or they do surgical interventions on their body. Down the line, they still may want to have kids. And so um, fertility preservation is an important topic for these patient populations as well, just so that they know what, what can happen and that they're aware that there are options for them to preserve their fertility before going through certain treatments because right. some of these treatments so we just what, don't know. Yeah, yet. so they know what their options are. Right. So, so it's, it's a really a big topic for anyone. And, it's a personal decision, but the whole point is it's out there, it's getting talked about. So whether you're seeing egg freezing parties or checking your fertility or hopefully seeing our billboard somewhere, people are getting an idea that, hey, fertility needs to be discussed. We have a lot more options now in our society and hopefully we're gonna bring a lot more options at lower costs in the future as we're trying to do right now. Yeah, awesome. 
All right, so thanks for joining us here on our pink couch, um, and we'll see you next time. Yeah, don't forget to share or hashtag Adora Pink Couch Series. And if you have any questions about this topic, please feel free to tag us and post a question, and we'll try to answer it on our next podcast. Thanks again.